morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. Uh, you are here week two on a series, What Disciples Do. Thank you, Joel and Mari, for sharing your story. Uh, let me pray and we'll begin. Lord God, thank you so much for this church, your people. And now, Father, as we turn towards the scriptures to continue to learn what a life of following you is meant to look like, remind us today on the second value of grow, that real growth happens in community. Uh, teach us, God, from, from your scriptures about what it looks like for us to continue on a trajectory of transformation and following you. Lord Jesus, we pray you be honored here in our midst today. In your name we pray, amen. Your title today for your message is called Grow in Community. Alternate title to this message is Who's in Your Boat? I know it's been at least two weeks since I've made a boat or a fishing reference, so you're probably hungry for it. So alternate title, Who's in Your Boat? But we're going with a primary title, What Disciples Do, They Grow in Community. Let me tell you first a story about my house. I have this tree, this dead tree, that actually was removed this week. This is a huge tree, maybe 120 feet tall, a big fir, strong uh, it, strength. But the tree started to die. Not immediately, of course, because trees don't die immediately. But over the course of a couple of, you know, about 18 months, we realized, man, this thing is, this thing is gone. It's gone. Like the leaves turned orange and then red and then fell. And the bark, you know, started to kind of chip away. And then woodpeckers, getting, I mean, the tree's gone. And it's right next to my kids' bedrooms. We were stumped. You get that? We were stumped. Like, what, you know, what, what's wrong with the tree? You know, and an arborist came out to give us the bid, and he said, you know, did you, did you remove a lot of other trees in this area? I said, we did. Yeah, there were some other trees kind of in the front of our house we had to take out a couple of years ago. And he said, well, you damaged the tree's neighborhood. Now, that's actually a technical term. The trees actually exist in a neighborhood of under the soil, a network of roots and membranes that feed each other. Scientists say that more than 50% of, of what happens in a tree's life is actually happening underground through this network. And especially with fir trees, that fir trees can grow up to 800 years old because their roots are connected together. We see this in images where tree roots are growing together, giving life to one another and supporting one another. It conversely can also spread disease or disaster. One organism can get sick. It can move all the way through a stand. Though we see an individual tree, the truth of the matter, arborists know, is it's often dozens and dozens of trees in one organism. This is a tree in Olympia that is fascinating scientists right now because it's actually been cut down, though the picture is hard to tell. It continues to live on, excreting sap. It continues to live simply because its root neighborhood is so strong. It's incredible. One scientist, Dylan Fisher, said more than 50% of a tree's energy goes below ground. So what we see is often only the tip of an iceberg. And so this tree at my house... Though it looked strong, several feet in circumference, though we didn't change any of patterns of how it was fed or watered, we took the other trees out that were its network, and it died and needed to come down. And churches, we take a segue to the text this morning. Many of us fashion our lives and our spiritual lives. We, man, we're the, we're the lone wolf. We're the single tree. We will stand. It's about me and Jesus and the truth of the matter from Scripture is that we are called to grow in the midst of relationships with other people. 
Now we're in this series for, for Bethany for this year, what disciples do. If you missed last week, last week we kicked off the series. We talked about this value of gather, about how important it is to come to church, that God is blessed in the midst of community. And if you missed it, that's kind of ironic, right? But we're not judging you. We're just saying, hey, we missed you last week. We would actually love you. I would love you to listen to the message. Because for a lot of people, God really, God really moved. And they said, you know, this helps me think about why Sunday worship matters. This is part two this week about growth. The real growth happens in relationship. That in addition to coming to a Sunday gathered worship, we need that. We don't need just a podcast. Some of people have been damaged by church. We know it's hard to trust again, but we're called to be gathering on Sundays. But in addition, the real growth will happen in our lives in community with other people. Smaller group of people studying the word, truth telling, laughing, telling stories, drinking coffee, gathering around meals. These happen in group settings. And today as we talk about growing in community, we're saying that this church, this year, is committed to these values. And I want to say a really strong church that recovering our lost sense of connection is one of the most important callings for the church in this time and place. Because for many people, they're not sure that even coming to church matters this, that, that much anymore. And we said last week, it does matter. Or we find a church where it does matter because it does matter that you're here. In addition to that, it is necessary for you to have a tribe, a people group that you can study God's word and be known in intimacy. And recovering this value of relationship is what God is asking for us in a highly fractured religious, spiritual, political, I mean, there's just fracturing but recovering the reality that we belong to one another is one of the strongest callings our church has in the year ahead. Our growth in Christ and our growth as a light shining in this community is saying relationships matter and we practice what we preach. We get into small groups in growth together. And so our big idea this morning is that everyone wants to grow because we're made for maturity. But contrary to our thinking and our practice, real growth happens in community and our interconnectedness. We do not dwell alone. We do not dwell alone. And I want to just say here as we kind of begin that uh, like the tree in my house that died not immediately over the course of many months and years, if you dwell alone, oftentimes you will find your spiritual life waning. I'm not projecting shame on you. I'm, I'm merely sharing an observation watching the church over the last seven years. People that go it alone, they often feel like their faith in Jesus is slowly dwindling. We need each other. And I want to say it prophetically to you. If you don't have a smaller group of people to study God's word and be known in fellowship, then maybe God is, want, is wanting to convict you and encourage you this morning. It's time. It's time to get involved. Let's take the first point of our outline, what growth is. We have this value this year, these three values, gather, grow, and go. We're going to talk about growth. What is growth? Is how we're using it in, in our mission for the year ahead. Growth is, happens in smaller communities, studying the word of God outside of Sunday mornings. It's, it's about a transformation that happens, and it happens in our connectedness to one another. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 through 18. This is what Paul writes. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's done. Like when we turn to the Lord, the veil is dropped. We receive the full gift of, of Jesus Christ in our life. It's done. We're justified, not by our effort, but by God's grace. But... 
Paul continues, the veil is taken away, but now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. Paul is saying that though we receive, the veil is taken away, that we continue to be transformed in His image with ever-increasing glory. What a promise. What a declaration. And so what growth is, is I, I receive the full gift of Christ's life in me, but I need to spend my life in relationship with others to continue to cultivate the glory of God in my life. I will not receive the full glory of God in my life through my own efforts. I need, I, I need community. I need fellowship. I need people to speak truth into my life when I go it alone. No, we are not meant to dwell alone. And so the veil drops, but with ever-increasing glory, we're on a trajectory of transformation to understand the fullness of Christ's life in us. That's a big distinction for us to understand. We're not earning more of Christ's life in us. We're understanding all that God is already wanting to do in us. And so we need each other. Growth is not Bible knowledge alone, uh, alone, filling notebooks where we don't get to actually practice it. We practice our knowledge of the scriptures in relationship one to another. Pastor Richard uh, tells a funny story of, of this theologian in England that, that we've actually used at times to study. And he was driving with this other Bible school leader and they were talking about this, this author in England. And, and they, the guy in England, the Bible school teacher said, oh, you're familiar with, I won't state his name. Richard said, yes, I, I have some books. And this other Bible school leader said, great, I'm trying to get my hands on all the books that I can get. And Richard said, oh, why is that? And the other Bible school teacher said, so I can burn them. And Richard's like, what do you mean? Like this theologian. And the Bible school teacher said, the problem with his theology is he had no community. He was all theology to the point at the end of his life, he would literally take communion alone because no one else was good enough to break bread with him. Now, the scriptures are calling us to grow in this fullness of the glory of God, and we do that on a journey of growth in relationship one to another. Now, oftentimes, if you're like, well, what does the New Testament say? What, is the, what do the scriptures say about groups? There's not a lot about groups in it because the church was a small group in these days. The church gathered in caves or in barns or in homes, and they proclaimed scripture, and they would pray and confess sin, and they would break communion. It was the central part of their worship service. They would give back bread, fish, something for others, because many of the people coming to church in those days needed each other. They would practice being the church in their relationship, and they would go back into the world. The church was a countercultural movement. They were a small group. This is Acts 2. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It sounds beautiful. The reality when you study Acts is they even had discord then, they had disagreements then, they had theological you know, disagreements then, but they had fellowship. And in many of us in America, we, we find that we're, we're hungry for more fellowship. It was Mother Teresa who said that America is the most impoverished community in the world. We have everything we need except each other. Now we're called to, to grow, we're called to this progressive realization of God's glory in our life, and it happens in relationship. 
Paul would say this in Philippians 3. All of us then who are mature should take a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together and following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. That you will model what growth looks like. You will model maturity. That somehow it's crazy, but God is calling us to be his visual representatives in the world. And this verse, Philippians 3, 15 through 17, is mind-blowing for this. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's done. We've attained it. We have received the gift of Jesus Christ. It is finished. And then we're called to live up to it. Because there's a progressive realization of the growth of Christ so that my life looks not more and more like myself, but it looks more and more like Jesus in me. So that the fruits of the Spirit would be exhibited in, in my discipleship. That's what we're called to be, maturing to be more like Jesus. And that the fruits of the Spirit, as the Scriptures come alive in my lives, would make a difference and impact in our communities. Because you live and walk and breathe amidst very very lonely people and though the veil of busyness kind of you know we're all like oh we're busy i know we're 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 good at disguising it and we have active social media feeds but do not deceive yourself there is a loneliness pervading our culture that, that is so deep and when we dive into christian culture when we dive into relationship one to another our very lives speak of our values the growth happens in community and the world takes notice The world says, I want a relationship with God like that. And what the scriptures call it is maturity. Maturity, a a unity of purpose and a core commitment to the centrality of Christ. Maturity, we're called to maturity. A unity of purpose and a core commitment to the centrality of Christ. We will have differences in this room. Our differences, I dare say, make us better But let us not waver on our purpose to be the church and to be in relationship growing into this maturity of Christ one to another so that the centrality of Christ would be declared by how we do life together. Look at those Christians. Look how they love. This was Paul's message at the end of Romans where he's encouraging the church of Rome. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's this promise. You will grow into more of who Christ wants you to be in one to another. The reality is, though, it's going to take time. And I know for many of us, busyness is, is, it precludes us from being able to take active steps of growing in relationship one to another because we're so full. We are. It's busy. But friends, disciples speak out against a culture of busyness by how they practice what they preach. Disciples say, I will be in relationship one to another. I am called to. And so on my calendar, I will reflect my priorities. That's going to take time. And that happens when we show up in each other's lives. We stick around. When we join a group. When we, when we make it through that, that first year, it's like, hey, it's pretty good. And the second year, when it got kind of awkward, like we keep showing up. The reality is, friends, you can't four-hour energy your way into relationship. I'm embarrassed to even tell you the story, but I have no pride with y'all, so I'll just tell you. Uh, I went to uh, sign up for life insurance, and, you know, my insurance agent says, you know, it's going to be this much at this price, you know, unless you're super preferred pricing. Then, you know, then it's like this much, you know, at that price. I was like, that sounds great. 
And I said, tell me what's next. He said, well, to get super preferred, you need to be at, you know, this weight, which was about 11 or 12 pounds from where I was currently at. I'm like, okay. And it was Tuesday. And he said, the health, the health guy will be there on Thursday, you know. <laughs> and I literally sat there for a while. I'm like, okay, how does this work? Like, how do you, you know, like Google, like lose 12 pounds in two days? Like, it, you just can't do it. Like, the guy came. He took... He, he took my blood, he took my heart rate, you know, he had me stand on the scale and, you know, took my watch off and my phone, like, I was like, I could take all the weight off I can, but the reality is, you can't rush your way to good health. No, no, to be committed to health means that my lifestyle would reflect that, that I would say to the insurance guy, oh gosh, I've been working out five days a week for the last two years. At that point, it hadn't been true. I had prioritized other things above health. And do you see, for Christians... How easy it is to prioritize other things above our health. Not, not as a guilt trip, but just the reality that if we're actually going to have Christian community one to another, if we're going to grow in relationship, there's no four-hour energy way to do that quickly. We're just going to have to keep showing up. And we've got a whole bunch of groups here that we're launching. And, and I, I recognize some of you have it in different places. Oh, a bunch of, you know, we're college roommates and we, we text each other encouragement. We meet twice. Man, go it. Go with it. Uh, it's some girls in my neighborhood and, and all of us, we walk and then we pray. Like, go with Like, whatever God has given you as an opportunity for Christian community. It doesn't have to be one of our connect groups, but it could be. But whatever it is, know that you need it. And know that the world is telling you you don't need it. And I don't know if it's you or if it's me, but man, when I was in high school and college, my friends were so important to me, and my life reflected that priority. We just hung out all the time. And then you get older, and then you have children, and then you have responsibilities, and that bloody law needs to be mowed, right? Like, and, and the world just starts, man, it's been a while since I had community, since I showed up in a friend's life, since I texted someone encouragement, since I took my friend to a movie who was, who was sad about his mom pet, like, I'm going to have to make this a priority or to gather with our, our group and say, yeah, I, we know it's busy, but we're going to meet and we're going we're gonna to eat dinner and we're going to pray for one another and we're going to open the Bible. Our lives will reflect our priorities. That's what growth is. And why does it matter? The second point of outline, why does this matter? If we're moving towards people of maturity, we're not, trying to build, we're not trying to build numbers, we're trying to build mature Christians as a church. Our calling is not to get bigger, it's to go deeper. Our calling is to grow people, as Paul would say in Colossians 1.20, our goal is to present everyone mature. Like our goal as a church is not just to gather a crowd, but is to grow disciples. Is to grow people that know the word of God. That the word of God lives in us. And when we blow it, we know how to confess it. And we're in relationship one to another. And, and this, is, this is difficult. It's countercultural. But it, it happens as we grow in relationship. And it's moving us to maturity. Writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward towards maturity. Without growth, there's no maturity. Without growth, there's no maturity. Is your faith in Jesus Christ growing towards maturity? If it is, praise Jesus and continue to feed the source and be in relationship one to another. And if you're in a season where your growth in Christ is stagnant, perhaps you're being called to step into deeper relationship one to another. 
We are called to be growing into maturity. Today at my house, big day. My baby boy, I've got five kids, four alive, one in heaven. But the baby, baby turns five today. Without growth, there's no maturity. And sure, there's some sentimentality when you get away, you know, with the baby clothes and the crib's gone. And, you know, wasn't that sweet, you know. But let's be honest here, people. Like, we're ready to move towards maturity, right? The temper tantrums and Fred Meyer, like the, you know, drawing with permanent marker on the MacBook Air. You know, it's like, we're ready to move towards maturity. Amen? All the parents in the room? Yeah, oh yeah. We're, we're moving towards maturity. So it is with us in the church. We're not building a crowd. We're growing disciples. And this happens when we gather in groups and we say, hey, it's cool that we all like the Hawks or the Sounders or or whatever our hobbies are, but we are in Christian community, which means we, we open the Bible one to another. We, we pray for one another. We're with each other, that, that we actually are, are on the trajectory of, of growth where we're being shaped to be more like Christ. First Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're already doing. This is already happening here at Bethany North. 32 groups right now represented. That's, that's amazing. Several years ago, it was about 10. So this is already happening. I know for many of you, you're like, oh, man, you know, you know I'm getting it here, there, whatever. But I know there's many, many, many of us who have not yet embarked on relationship because we're busy and because there's other priorities, and I understand that. But I want to continue to emphasize for you that the growth of ongoing transformation happens as we're in relationship with one another. You just can't. Get there alone. A beautiful story to exemplify this is one of my favorite books. I spoke about it a couple of years ago here, but it so perfectly uh, tells the story of a bunch of individuals becoming one organism. Uh, the Boys in the Boat is the book by Daniel James Brown, nine Americans and their epic quest for gold at the 36 Berlin Olympics. It's one of my favorite books to recommend. The beautiful story about this book is it's local, Washington writer, about nine boys in 1935 and 36 from University of Washington that moved from a bunch of individuals to one boat. Uh, this is antithetical. This is crew. Now, crew is about your wingspan and how hard you can pull and how strong you are. Just put a bunch of strong people in a boat and they've got to have the fastest time. No, no, no. These boys learned this amazing lesson through their coach. What, what happens was nine becoming one. One organism. And the author, Brown, writes, What mattered more than how hard a man rode was how well everything he did in the boat harmonized with what the other fellows were doing. And a man couldn't harmonize with his crewmates unless he opened his heart to them. He had to care about his crew. And it's, you, you could substitute the word church in here. That you can't build a church unless you open your hearts to each other. And though we're all worried about being kind of the big, strong, individual tree, we are a neighborhood. We are a network. We belong together. That's how growth happens. The author Brown tells the story of Joe Rance, kind of the lead character, a guy from northeast Seattle, who was kind of the lead character in the book. And Joe's journey from a lumberjack just about being strong to learning that the success of the boat would happen as he became a better teammate. And Brown writes, The coach suggested that Joe think of a well-rowed race as a symphony, and he himself was just one player in the orchestra. If one fellow in the orchestra was playing out of tune or playing at a different tempo, the whole piece would naturally be ruined. That's the way it is with rowing. What mattered more than how hard a man rowed was how well everything he did in the boat harmonized with what the other fellows were doing. 
And then we turn back to Ephesians 4, which was read to us at the beginning of the service. Ephesians 4, verse 14, the promises, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Like Paul is saying, do you not know we're rowing together? And friends, I want to encourage you this morning. You do not row alone. But who's in your boat? Who is in your boat? If this is the reality of your life, who is your tribe? Who are your people? Who can you lean on when it's been a rough week? Who can bring you a meal when you can't cook for yourself? Who is in your boat? And after the first service, I had people like, oh, you know, my boat is like really broad. It's people around the country because of X, Y, Z. I'm like, amen. Other people are like, oh, you know, my boat is like a bunch of old friends. Like, okay, amen. But I'm just telling you, like, hey, who's in your boat? Because many, many people that call themselves Christians are profoundly lonely. And you have to open your heart one to another and get in the boat. And the beautiful thing is, is we don't, we don't, we're not made, we're not a boat of just supermen and superwomen. Where only the strong survive. In a big boat like this, we can all belong. People that are just rowing hard, life is good, Jesus is real, like we're, we're doing it. And other people are like, man, I just need to sit for a while. I'm tired. I'm struggling. There's other people, the doubters amongst us, bless their hearts. They're like drilling little holes in the boat. You know, water's coming in and we're like, hey, you can be in our boat. Just slow down on the hole drilling, like, you know, just a few at a time. But like, they're going to help strengthen us because, hey, community is built with, with this plurality of opinions around the centrality of Christ. Who's in your boat? I want to encourage you this morning. Continue to answer that question with specific people and if you find your boat's a little empty, or you feel like you've been rowing alone, the time is now. Get in a group and lend your life one to another. Finally, the third point of our outline is how growth happens. And there's three things I'm just going to lift up now. We can lift up other values, but three values that this church is about this year, that growth will happen in three really specific ways. Number one, equipping that we're on a journey of growth together. We're not trying to build a crowd. We're trying to build depth of disciples. Our job as the church is equipping you all to continue to worship Jesus Christ. And we believe equipping happens in two key commitments. Commitment number one, a commitment to God and the Bible. And commitment number two, a commitment to significant Christian relationships that send you on a mission together. Commitment one, God and the Bible. The Bible will always be preached from this pulpit Every Sunday, bring your Bible. We're going to study it together. Commitment to, we are committed to deeper relationships one to another that sends us on a mission together. That's what we're about. Our story at Bethany North, church of four to 600 right now, 32 groups, it's good. Our hope, every single one of you has a network, has people in your boat. It's a Tuesday morning Bible study, or it's Thursday evening women's group, or it's Sunday new families, or one of our connect groups. Like, I, I don't, care necessarily which one it is but some some way somehow you have people in your boat equipping you for the journey ahead studying God's word growing together the second thing we're going to do this year as growth happens is unity that we show Christ's work in us through significant relationships one to another remember what Jesus prayer was his last prayer in John 17 my prayer is not for them alone not for us alone as individuals Jesus said I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. 
And so when we gather in groups, this is where we live into this value that we have unity as a Christian body around Jesus Christ as proclaimed in the scriptures. We may have voted differently. We may have different thoughts around this or that issue today. But around Jesus, we're, we're dialed in that Jesus is our number one priority and we have unity as God's people around that. That's how growing churches get deeper. The power of groups. That's the importance of you having a tribe outside of Sunday morning to belong to. Unity. The third value, maturity in Christ. So that our lives reflect the Jesus we proclaim. That our lives reflect the Jesus we proclaim. Ephesians 14, uh, Ephesians 4 again, will no longer be infants. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And so how does growth happen? It happens in relationship. It happens in community. It happens in showing up on a Tuesday morning or a Sunday night in the busyness of our lives and saying, I want my lives to reflect my priorities. I want to grow an intentional community outside of Sunday morning, centered on Jesus Christ as professed in the scriptures. This is what growth looks like. We cannot grow alone. All right, turn to your neighbor right now and say, I need you. Like, do that. Turn to somebody saying, and then turn to the, the other way and say, you need me. Like, you need me, and I need you. You know, there was this amazing value this church was founded on, that this church has been around for 100 years. 100 years, but the longest-serving senior pastor, Pastor John, who was here for over 30 years, and he had this phrase that we did almost every worship service. And a lot of, we have some people right here that would, hey, Bob and Judy, what was Pastor John's catchphrase he would leave service with every time? You're not helping me. Tangling together. We nailed it. Yes, thank you guys. Tangling, active verb, our heartstrings together. He would end worship service over 30 years and he had many catchphrases, but he built community. But he says, Church, we're tangling, verb, we're doing it, our heartstrings together. That we see ourselves as individual trees. We are part of a network. We need each other. Now, this is antithetical to many of us in the room. Me being chief among them. Some of you know my story. I spent six months in a van, not down by the river, driving around America. Driving around America. Six months. Just me and a little air press for coffee and a little, you know, West Folly van. Every day a new adventure. Opening up my Rand McNally and driving to Four Corners U.S., the lower 48 states, the eastern provinces. It was amazing, the views, the people, the stories, but you can't live out there. You, you have to come home at some point. You can't just live all alone forever. And I learned out there how much I needed people in my life. And so I came home, and there was a girl, and then there was kids and chaos, and that freedom of the road felt like the chaos of kids everywhere, you know, and then there was tragedy in this church that we were learning to Bethany, that tangle our hearts together. We lost our thirdborn son. And then the very nature of community wrapped its arms around us. And our small group gathered to, to bring us meals and, and to have a party to make the invitations and the, and the declarations for the worship service to celebrate Fisher's life. 
And dozens of volunteers came on a snowy uh, December day to have a worship service where Pastor Richard preached the truth of Scripture. Because in those days, we don't even know if we could believe still. But this is the thing of community. This is the thing of growth. All the people around us, they reminded us. We don't dwell alone. They reminded us. Jesus loves you still. We're with you in this time. They reminded us. It's what we're called to be, reminders. You remind me. You remind me. Can I remind you? We're called to be Christ one to another. So that the growth and maturity would happen and we would know we do not dwell alone. We do not walk alone. We do not grow alone. We need each other. As a church, being God's people, swimming upstream against the busyness and all that we face, we do not walk alone. We need each other. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for these people, these men and women women, these disciples following you. We pray that this value of growing in community would be lived out in their lives. Lord, may you encourage them to continue to pour into the community, the people in their boat that are already there. Lord, we pray for the lonely ones this morning, the discouraged, the downcast. Would would you tell them to climb into a boat and let someone else row for a while? Lord Jesus, would your name be proclaimed in this community through this church in our relationships with one another? Would your name be proclaimed as great and holy in God as as these values are lived in our lives? Thank you for the reminder this morning. We don't walk alone. We walk with you and, and we walk with one another. Continue to fashion us as men and women, disciples of the Most High God, growing together. In your great name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us as we close in song? As a reminder, there's prayer team people down front to pray with you either during this last worship song or at the end of the service. Let's continue to sing what we believe. We do not walk alone. We do not dwell alone. God is with us. We need one another.